0: It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley.
1: The implications of a lot of crime in the city and, you know, people may be wanting to decamp to parts outside of Toronto, uh, but we're starting to see the prices are rising out there as well. Density is the operative word and the intention of the planners, and so it was... With interest that I read a piece in the uh, an op-ed piece in the post yesterday from Joel Kotkin, Urban Sprawl, the environmentally friendly answer to expensive housing. I thought that's counterintuitive. Let's find out what Joel's on about. Joel Kotkin, authority on global economic, political and social trends. And he's also the author of the book, The Coming of Neo Feudalism, a warning to the global middle class. Good to have you back in the program, Joel. Good afternoon. Hi, My pleasure. Well, Joel, let's start with the idea that uh, this is somewhat counterintuitive uh, because we're told density is, you know, what's desired here for affordability and on the subway or the main transit hubs, especially. You sort of have a counterargument. What is it?
0: Well, the counterargument is called evidence (laughs) Um, and basically um first of all, it's much more expensive to build high density housing you know unless you're going to have it subsidized by the government, then the taxpayer costs gets stuck with it but a it's more expensive b because you limit um the competition for land um in the metropolitan area, those areas um, that are essentially allow uh, that where development is allowed or even encouraged are going to tend to be more expensive it's just You know, if you take, let's say, the Bay Area and the uh, planners there are saying, "Okay, we want 80 percent of the growth on 4 percent of the land. Well, you don't have to be Milton Friedman to figure out that anyone who owns that 4 percent is going to be able to get a premium for it. Mm. Um, And then if we look at the most expensive places in the world to live relative to incomes, they're almost all very, uh, very dense places. So if density reduced prices. How come we don't see the evidence of it?
1: Well, Manhattan springs to mind readily. I I guess that's a really good example. Is it not?
0: Well, it is. I mean, Manhattan, of course, is a very unique environment, but, but basically the, the reality is the vast majority of people either cannot afford or do not want to live in high density, particularly when they get into their thirties, particularly when they're thinking about starting a family. And, um, we have to acknowledge that as we try to come up with policies that make the most sense on a climate basis we have to have policies that actually people are likely to embrace as opposed to saying well you know what we are the last generation completely screwed up everything so your generation is going to have to live like crap to make up for it i don't know if that's the political uh, uh, the best political strategy i've ever seen
1: well, it has become politicized uh, insofar as, you know, you mentioned the environment. Now, would urban sprawl actually help to address uh, the ravages of, say, you know, burning fossil fuels? I mean, people wouldn't commute as often, would they? Well,
0: one of the things is that we have to understand that with the rise of remote work uh, and with the growth of business in the suburbs, the need to commute is much less. You take a place like Irvine, California, which is about 10 minutes from where I am. Um, and basically they have very high degree of people uh, work at home the and the shortest commutes um, because there's lots of businesses in that immediate area. So, you know, you can develop, given the changes in technology, um, fairly uh, climate-friendly environments in the, in the suburbs. Um, besides the fact that you, the that if well planned, they could be very good for you know preservation of species. Actually, sometimes better than than a rural area for reasons having to do with the monoculture um, that you get in uh, a lot of rural areas. Um, and um, and basically, then you you have other things like you know maybe cars in the next ten to twenty years are not going to be. Um, much Anything like the problem that you might have said they were 10 to 20 years ago. If you go to hybrid engines, um, obviously there's the electric cars. Um, there, there, are, there are very efficient uh, con, you know, conventional uh, um, engines. There are ways that we can move in this direction without forcing the, the, the people of any country, particularly um, in the metropolitan areas, without forcing them to live in a way that they don't want to live. And by the way, a way of life that will mean that they will never purchase an asset, so they'll be dependent on the government when they retire, uh, almost completely. Um, and, um, And then, of course, a lot of them won't have children. So there'll be fewer people paying into the system at the same time. I mean, we have to come up with a... A way of dealing with the issue of housing and the and the environment that is not anti-human in its essence.
1: Joel Kotkin's with us, by the way. Uh, when you mention that, it's uh, political as well as, I guess, uh, something to do with demographics. Insofar as you know, young people can't afford families because they can't have a home, and so uh, they get into renting and. By being in renting, you point out in your article that uh, they'd like to see rent controls, and this leads to the rise of socialist-oriented movements. So it's all interconnected. By the way, uh, you also say uh, that restricting, say, sprawl, urban growth boundaries, like green belts, restricting new housing on the fringe, are also counterproductive. Explain.
0: Well, of course, the key thing here is, historically, cities have, have expanded, uh, by moving further out on the periphery. That's just how cities have grown. Um, if you make that impossible, um, then you're going to drive up the prices of, uh, of those areas that, um, that you can develop. Um, and, uh, that's why sometimes you find that greens planners and urban land speculators are all on the same page and including, you know, of course, the, uh, you know the, the the wall street types who finance these things um i mean fundamentally so what what you're seeing is a disconnect between what people generally want and what our betters think we should have um and of course the burden there as i pointed out is going to fall on the younger population millennials who are now looking to buy houses and to the immigrants, I mean, Canada's talking about, what, bringing in one and a half million immigrants between now and 2025. Um, where are they going to live? Do you think, you think people move, you know, from from a, a crowded and, and impoverished environment so they can live in a crowded and impoverished environment here? <laughs> we have the whole question of why do people, you know, you have to answer, what what's the reason why people move to the u.s australia canada three good examples but because they want to have the canadian dream or the american dream or the australian dream they want to they want to own a house in a nice neighborhood and send their kids to good schools and um and maybe have a little bit of a backyard these are very common desires and i think policies that 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 try to make that almost impossible are going to reap a a great economic and social cost.
1: But finally, I've got to say, I mean, the idea behind urban growth boundaries, i.e. the Greenbelt, is to protect arable farmland. Is that not critical?
0: Well, first of all, a lot of that... um, First of all, there's a lot of farmland. Canada's not running out
1: of farmland, okay?
0: Um, I spent a a lot of time up there. Um, My wife happens to be Canadian. Um... So um, you know the the reality is we're retiring more land, or um, because it it's not needed, it it's worn out, it it's not it's not efficient. We're we're or or we're converting them into open space. We're doing that much more than we're you know paving over rural areas. Um, I mean the, the 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 argument that that uh, you know that let's say if 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 Toronto. Uh, opens up some areas that, that are now rural, A, a lot of them may not even be agricultural areas, but B, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty of, of rural land, and as farmers become more and more efficient, they probably will need less of it.
1: Hmm. All right, uh, so this is the argument for urban sprawl. Uh, for want of a better term, is actually a positive. It would fulfill the Canadian dream for new arrivals as well as, you know, reduce the cost of housing and a lot of young people who can't afford and now have to rent uh, may actually be able to rise up and join the middle class as well. Uh, fascinating uh, insights and discussion. Joel Codkin, again, authority on global economic, political and social trends, also author of the book, The Coming of Neo-Feudalism, A Warning to the Global Middle Class. Always appreciate your time, Joel. Thank you. Thank you very much. Listen to the John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from
0: 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on earth 24 hours a day by going to 640Toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.